you know, we've been uh, talking during this series uh, about why did Jesus come? Like, why would Jesus come down from his throne of, of eternal power, of never experiencing pain, never experiencing what it means to be human? It's hard to be human sometimes, and uh, never experiencing uh, all, any pain, never experiencing any powerlessness. If he wanted something, he's spoken into existence, and he is amazing and wonderful and eternal God, and yet he empties himself. He empties himself of that power to come down and to be born as a baby. Why did he come as a baby? I mean, he could have come in any way. He could have sent us a message any way he wanted to. He could have come as a full-grown man and doing miracles and doing all these things and getting the attention. He could have written things across the sky. He could have done things that I can't even imagine that he would have done. He could have done any of those things, and yet he chose to come as a baby. He chose to come as one of us. We have to acknowledge that there is a special, special message in that, that he came as a message in a body, and not a message in any other form, but he came as a message in a body to live with us as one of us and to show us the way that we are to live. So in unpacking that, we talked about in week one that Jesus came, the God of heaven came, not to be served but to serve. Not for us to heap things upon him of glory and honor, but instead to strengthen us. Jesus came to serve us. It's a humbling reality. Jesus, when you go to pray, there's a tendency to always just think in terms of, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus. And Jesus is there standing there looking at you in the eye and saying, how can I serve you? How can I make your life better? How can I strengthen you to follow after the Lord? You know, Jesus came to change our lineage. We talked about this in week one, too. We talked about the fact that we are descendants of Adam and destined to, to be haunted by our sin for all of our existence. But instead, Jesus came and said, I'm going to change your lineage, right? I'm going to change you from being a descendant of Adam to being a co-heir with Jesus, a child of God, to be born again. Last week, uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus didn't want us to be separated from God for all of eternity. We talked about hell at Christmas time. Uh, and Jesus, uh, there are many misconceptions about hell, and we talked about uh, all, some of those misconceptions. But Jesus looked and said, you know what? I don't want them to be separated from me and from God for all of eternity. So he comes down, and, he, and he's born in order to prevent us from being separated from God. You know, he's gonna, he paid the price to stand with us at the judgment. There's going to be a judgment in our lives. There's going to be a book open. There's going to be recorded in there everything you've done, everything you've thought, everything you've said. And it's going to be read out loud. And that's terrifying. And at the end of that, it's going to be obvious that you don't belong in the presence of God. And Jesus is going to say, but wait, there's another book. Jesus has written another book. It's called the book of life. And it says if your name is in there, as Jesus has written your name, then all of those things in the other book are not held against you. And instead, through Christ, we get to enter into the presence of God. And Jesus saw that day. He saw into the future. And he saw that day when we would stand before God and that book would be opened. And he said, you know what? I don't want them standing alone on that day. I'm going to pay the price to stand with them. That's one of the reasons that he came. And today, I want to talk to you about another reason that Jesus came. And, and it's, it's so powerful. And that powerful reason is you. The potential that is in each and every one of us. Jesus saw it. And he came down to stir it up and to redeem it and, and so that it could come to fruition in God. So I want to read from you, for you, a couple of passages of Scripture. 
finally, uh, the pastor is going to read for you in the Christmas series a, a, a scripture that is from the Christmas story, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And then we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 13 and, and read a parable there. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How, can, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Jesus teaching many years later in the future in Matthew chapter 13. It says this, that same day, of course, it's referring to a different day, okay, 33, 30-some years later. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In interpreting this final verse, Jesus says this in verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let's pray together. God, we rejoice in who you are today. We rejoice, God, that you saw fit to empty yourself and to come and to be one of us, to not leave us alone, but to be Emmanuel to be God with us. We celebrate you today. We celebrate you in this place. We are your people called by your name, and we lift up the name of Jesus and declare that you're worthy of all of our praise. God, as we open your word today, would you strengthen us? God, would you speak to our hearts, guide us, and lead us? Lord, as we hear Merry Christmas, Lord, as we celebrate this season, God, may your spirit strengthen us, Lord, as we understand why you came. We love you, Lord, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. We're going to start this morning with a little bit of a game. Uh, it's called Guess That Baby. So here's your first baby uh, to guess. Any, anybody have any ideas? Maybe, probably not. Yeah, it uh, seems to have a dress on, but it turns out it's a boy. Because that is, that's a dedication dress that happens, okay? That's Billy Graham. Uh, and if you, know, you, if you know me, you know I love Billy Graham. And, uh, and he grew up, of course, to preach the gospel to 215 million people. He had 3.2 million responses to his 
uh, preaching of the gospel. Uh, and people coming to the Lord. And you look and you say, well, that's a little baby and, and just what a bundle of potential. And he grows up and, and he does great things for the Lord. I got another little baby for you. Any guesses? I mean, all we know is his mom wasn't sure about that bowl and that cut, right? <laughs> and no, no, no guesses here. This is not a very fun game, apparently, um, that we are playing. But, of course, that's Adolf Hitler. And uh, he uh, grows up, of course, to be Adolf Hitler. And uh, he k- kills six million Jews. One and a half uh, million of those are children. And uh, he kills estimates up to maybe five million more people who he disagreed with or had disabilities or who he didn't like. You know, there was a controversy uh, surrounding this picture. Uh, you know, before the Internet and you could just search everything, nobody wanted that picture released because they felt like it humanized someone who was so inhuman. I have another picture for you, a uh, little blonde-haired, uh, blue-eyed baby boy. Y- you're not playing along, so I'll just tell you that's Joseph Stalin, another uh, person who grew up uh, to kill millions of people and in uh, and, and gulags and all those things. Oh, we already switched. Uh, go back to Joseph Stalin. Give me Joseph Stalin for just a second. All right. There he is. Look at, look at him. I mean, you just look at all that potential, right? And he grows up to do horrible things. And we'll, we'll jump off the evil dictators, and we'll jump on to uh, the next one here, okay? Anybody have any ideas? Seriously, you should know this one. Okay, all right. Well, that's Elon Musk. And, uh, and uh, of course, uh, he, he grew up uh, and has invented Tesla and SpaceX and all these things and had such an influence in our world. Uh, he was the 2021 Time Magazine Person of the Year, and that's a hint for our next one, And uh, because our next one is this little girl. You just, yeah, you didn't know. If I didn't, if I didn't give you a hint, you wouldn't have known, but that is Taylor Swift, and she is the Time Magazine Person of the Year. The next one is Sam Altman, who should have been the Time Magazine Person of the Year, uh, just a little hot take here on a Sunday morning. Of course, he is driving AI, and, uh, and, and which is probably going to revolutionize things over the, uh, the coming years. And uh, we see that potential. And so you look at those babies, and babies are amazing, aren't they? They're just like little bundles of potential. You see them, and you see those pictures, and you think, well, I don't know who that is. I don't know who they're going to grow up to be. All I know is that they can do amazing things. I see all of that potential in that child. And I wonder, as you were uh, dating someone and you brought them home, like how long it took your mom to bring out your baby pictures, right? And they wanted to show whoever it was your baby pictures. And if you stepped out of the room for a second, you had to go to the bathroom, you came back, and there were naked pictures of you in the bathtub, <laughs> right? Either your mom was mean or your mom was clueless, and, uh, and here she was with those pictures. You're like, I was just going two seconds, and now <laughs> here's my, my naked baby pictures. Praise the Lord, right? Like... <laughs> Why did you take those, Mom? Why did you take those pictures? Why are you showing those pictures? You know, as we think about babies and we look at these pictures, we think about the potential that they have. And it's so easy to think about the potential that they have for this life. But we know that Jesus, when he sees us, 
He doesn't just see our potential for this life. He doesn't see the arc of our lives as, as being born and living 70, 80, 90, 100 years and then arcing down and being over. But instead, when Jesus sees us, he sees us as eternal beings. When a child is conceived in the womb, it is born and an eternal soul is, is given to that, that baby that is conceived in that instant. And Jesus sees the eternal life of each child that is conceived. You know, last week we did talk about some of the misconceptions of hell and being separated from God, and we hopefully sorted some of those out. But you know, there are also many misconceptions of heaven. There's this idea that we're going to get to heaven and we're going to get angels' wings and we're going to sit on a cloud. And the, and the scriptures say that the exact opposite. That is not what's going to happen to us at all. We do not become angels, okay? This is so hard on me because I come to funerals and, and, and I stand with people in hard times and, and they say to me, oh, they became an angel. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I mean, they just lost somebody. They're going through a really hard time and I can't tell them like, they're not an angel, man. They're not an angel. So I just want to tell you on this Sunday morning here when we're all together, they do not, we do not become angels. The God who invented color is not going to bring us into just this stark white place either, right? Like we go up and it's like, oh, well, what's heaven look like? Oh, it's just white. You know, everything's white. There's white clouds. There's white stuff. No, John gets a glimpse of heaven and he says, there's rainbows of colors I can't even describe to you. Just how powerfully colorful and vibrant this, this place is. And there's this idea that as we get up into heaven that we're going to just be sitting around for thousands and thousands of years and just singing, right? And, and, and just, you know, oh, and, and you know, sometimes I think, I don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, first of all, I know in heaven I'll be able to sing, okay, and I can't sing here right? And I like it when the music's a little louder because then I can sing and nobody can hear me make my joyful noise, right? But the truth is when we get to heaven, we're not going to be standing around and singing for thousands of years, although we might sing for thousands of years and not even recognize it because time is going to be meaningless in heaven. But the scriptures are so clear that when we get to heaven, we're going to be serving God in glorified bodies that don't need sleep or rest, that we're going to eat just for the enjoyment of eating, not because we need it, but we're strengthened. If we have any questions, we go straight up to the throne of God and we say, God, give me direction. Show me. And we might just stay there for a thousand years in worship, but we don't even know because time just flies, right? Not even conscious. And then we go. And my, my, my take, okay, my belief is that the scripture describes us spending a thousand years here on earth and, and you say, well, why? The scripture doesn't tell us why, so this is my why. I think we get to fix it. I think we get to fix the earth and spend a thousand years fixing it so that God can say, look, see, this is what I intended it to be. And I've already called being part of the people that clean up the oceans. I want to clean up the oceans during those thousand years, okay? I've seen, I like follow it on Instagram. They're like scooping up all the plastic. They're doing all the things. I just can't wait to have a glorified body. I believe I'm going to be able to teleport because Philip teleported, uh, right, in the Bible. And I think if somebody did it in the Bible, I'm going to be able to do it. And I'm going to teleport out into the ocean, and I can't swim now, but I'll be able to swim then, <laughs> right? And I'm going to be working, and I'm going to be doing things, and I'm going to be accomplishing a purpose, Right? Our understanding of heaven is, is twisted like I'm sitting and I'm standing and it's white and it's stark and it's boring. Did God create us to work and to do and to accomplish things? And so when Jesus looks at us 
And he sees our eternity, and he sees our potential, and he sees who we are and who we can be, and he makes the decision to come out of heaven and to come down here to get us and to stand with us. It's because he sees how awesome we are and how awesome we can be for all of eternity. How hard it is for us to see that. How hard it is. We look in the mirror, and we just see all the things that we wish were different. We see uh, just uh, every reason to make an excuse and to say, oh, I don't see the potential in myself. I don't see how I can accomplish anything. Because we don't see the potential in ourselves, then we cannot believe that there is potential in everyone. You don't, we don't realize this, but when I don't see potential in myself, I create a category in my mind. I create a category. Now, if I don't see potential in me, then there's a category of people that don't have amazing potential. There's just regular people, and there's amazing people. And that's something that happens, and we don't even realize it. But you look in the mirror, and you've created a category. You've said something about you, but now you've imposed that on other people around you. Now there are other normal people. This causes us to believe that people that achieve big things are unique, which further excuses us from feeling pressure to accomplish things for God. If there's a category of people that aren't awesome, and I'm in it, right, and I look around and there's other people that aren't in it, then what, then what does this create as a worldview for me? It creates a worldview where there's just all of us normal people that are just kind of making it through life and not doing much. Then there's those unique and special people, and they're accomplishing great things, and they're doing amazing things in the world. And God looks down at us and says, that's not right. It's not to look. That's not why I came down out of heaven. It's for there's certain groups of people. These people are special, and these people are not special. Now, I recognize that before Halloween 20, or excuse me, 1517, right, October 31st, 1517, before that date when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the, on the church door, we were all Catholic, right? We were all Catholic before then. There was no other option. If you were following Jesus, you were Catholic. But since then, you know, we're Protestant now. And somebody's looking like, really, are we? <laughs> well, if you're here and you stick around, you are, okay? And, and, and you know, uh, Catholic theology does something very negative in this space, and, and it creeps into our thinking. You see, Catholics, uh, they created a special category of people, exactly contrary to the Scriptures, and they call these people the saints, right? Saints such and such. And these are special people that have privileges here on earth and in heaven, right? You can pray to the saints if you're Catholic and believe that they have special privileges and all of those kind of things. As Protestants, we don't believe that because we don't see that in the Bible. In fact, the Bible calls each and every one of us saints. If you do a Bible study on the word saints and look at it, it obviously refers to each and every one of us. There's not a special category for any people, each and every one of us. Is, has potential that Jesus sees and desires to redeem in all of us. And God continues to send this message to us every way possible, and we continue to turn it back and say, no, you can't be serious, God. There's certainly unique and special people, and I'm not one of those unique and special people. I'll just hang out, right? In, in Catholicism, they, they take Mary, the mother of Jesus, and they make her into, in fact, the most unique person ever in this unique category that's a false category. And, and God tells us, he, he sends Jesus to Mary, 
You know, Mary is, was such a common name in the first century that there are six other Marys just in the New Testament story. Did you know that Jason's in the Bible? My name, Jason's in the Bible? It's in Acts. You know how many times? Once. It was one Jason, right? Because uh, obviously the Bible wasn't written about the 1970s because in the, in the 70s, every other boy was named Jason. All the Jasons in the room, you know, raise your hand, right? And uh, we're, we're all here. But in the New Testament times, there was, in just this little story, there's six Marys. And the scripture that I read you, it says she was born in Nazareth. They even have to tell us where Nazareth is in Galilee because Nazareth was a nowhere town. And a little tiny town. She's born. Uh, Jesus is born to this Mary, one of a dozen Marys, right, probably in the town. Jesus is born in this little tiny town, in this little tiny place, to this girl who was no one. And the point of the story is that she was no one. The point of the story is that she's common. But we can't stand it because we have to say, no, 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 no. If, if she's common, then that means I can do something amazing. I'm just going to sit here for a minute. I'm just going to stand here for a minute. I'm just feeling it on Christmas. If she's common, that means I can do something amazing. God goes out of his way to find a Mary, to find a common girl in a common place to show us. And, and we can't stand it. So, so in, in Catholicism, they, they make her a perpetual virgin. virgin. They, 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 they make it so that she has special standing with Jesus. So that, so that you can pray to Mary, and Mary cannot deny Jesus anything that, that, that Mary asks Jesus to do. So, so what do you do if that's the case? You save that uh, for when you're going to die, right? And, and so you, you pray, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Because you want Mary to speak up for you because Jesus can't deny her. But listen, the truth is that Jesus... It cares about each and every one of us and our voice, each and every one of us. We don't have to go through anyone to get access to Jesus. He came. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. It is his Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. I come straight to God and I cry out straight to God because there is no special category, not for anyone. Each and every one of us have amazing potential. God tells us this over and over throughout the scriptures in, in Gideon. Right? In Judges, chapter 6, Gideon is hiding from the enemy in the wine press. He's nobody. He's nothing. He's hiding. And the angel comes to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon pushes back and is like, you got the wrong guy. No, 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 not me. I'm just common. Right? It's the same thing that you would say. The angel comes to you and says, hey, mighty warrior. And you, wait a minute, you must have the wrong address. Right? But Gideon's a common man, and God, and he follows God, and God uses him to deliver the Israelites. Hannah is crying at the temple in 1 Samuel 1. And, and she's crying, and she's just so overwhelmed. that and the, the Bible says that her lips are just stammering with prayer. She's crying out to the Lord. And Eli, who's the, who's the corrupt priest, he comes out, and he just assumes Eli, to be honest with you, was probably drunk. So he assumed that she was drunk. And he comes out and he says, you're drunk and you just need to get out of here. But Hannah was crying out to the Lord for a child. And God saw this, this girl that the priest thought was just some drunk person and saw her prayer. And she gave birth to Samuel, the prophet, who was one of the greatest prophets uh, ever to walk the earth. And in fact, it's in Samuel uh, 16 when Samuel goes to anoint King David. 
And he goes to all of Jesse's sons, and Jesse brings in all of David's older brothers and leaves David out in the field because he doesn't believe in him, right? And, and he says, listen, certainly it's one of these six boys. I got some big, handsome, strong boys. Certainly it's one of them. And God tells Samuel, I don't judge people the same way that people judge people. I see their heart. And Samuel says to Jesse, do you have another son? He says, yeah, I got one, but he's kind of runny. You want me to bring him in? Yes, bring him in. And they bring little David in from the field. And then they dump a whole thing of oil on his head and say, he's the one. Because you think there's a special category of people, but there's not. Jesus goes and he picks his 12 disciples. And and he picks 12 men that no rabbi in the first century would have ever picked. These are all Hebrew school dropouts or tax collectors. And Jesus says, come and follow me. I mean, Jesus is born himself to marry and lives the most common life. He picks common people constantly. What has God got to say to us to continue to remind us there are no special categories? There's you. He lived for you. He died for you. He came for you because there's potential in you. And I realize this puts you on the hook. And I realize it puts me on the hook. But guess what? We're on the hook. Jesus came because he sees that we are capable of doing amazing things for God, that your prayers can move heaven, that your words can create life around you, that you can serve God and do amazing things for the Lord. There are no excuses for us because Jesus came recognizing everything that's in us. Listen to what the Bible says about you. The scriptures tell us that you are worth God dying for. You are worth God dying for. The scriptures tell us that you belong to him. Hey, it's Christmas time, and and we're all buying stuff, right? Yeah? Wow, you guys, I know you're nervous. You're like, is this a trick question? He's going (laughs) to drill us, right? He's going to, oh, it's all commercial. No, you know, we're all buying stuff. What do you buy? Don't you buy the thing that you think is like the good thing? Don't you, are you trying to like surprise the one that's unsurprisable? Are you trying to buy the one that's the thing? You just want to buy just the good thing and the best thing? Don't you buy the best things? Well, what does this scripture tell us? That God bought us and he paid an amazing price to buy us. You belong to God. You're his because he loves you and he wants you. He says, The scriptures tell us that we're salt and light, and we always hear this like in an evangelistic sermon, like be salt and be light. Have you ever thought about how valuable salt and light are? Just stop. Any scientists in the room, let's remove salt and light from the earth. How long long does this thing last? (laughs) How much salt is just in your body? How much salt is in the the world keeping things? What about light? Light kind of drives everything, doesn't it? This is the value that God ascribes to you, salt and light. Is, is the value that's in you and me. In, in 1 Peter, we're called, uh, we are called of God. We are holy people. We are chosen people. In John and Romans, it tells us that we are friends and siblings of Jesus. Amen. Friends and siblings. And I, I put that together because I've got some, some kids and they're siblings and they're not always friends. <laughs> they're friends a lot of the time, but they're not always friends, right? But we're friends and siblings of Jesus. What all does God see in us? He saw so much that he came down out of heaven to get us. He's invested in us. You know, God has given us spiritual gifts. God has given us passion and joy in our heart. Those things that get you stirring and going, those are from the Lord. 
He's given us abilities. You know that ability that you take and you use it. You use it to earn a living. You use it to worship. The kids will be presenting their plays and and all the things that they've been practicing on and doing. And it's going to be a lot of fun and a really... I love teaching about personalities. I love studying personalities. I love just sitting in the mall and watching people, right? (laughs) I was watching the Heisman Trophy presentation last night, and I was watching one particular mother and father sitting there with their kid, and I said, they don't like each other. And I Googled it, and I was right. <laughs> I love watching them. I love personalities. And you know our personalities come from God. You know, your kids, you think when they're born, you have no idea who they're going to grow up and if they're going to be strong and they're going to be kind of mean or if they're going to be, like, loving and kind. And you know what? That comes from God. That personality is from the Lord. God has given us our experiences You know, you look back on your life and you say, man, there were some high points and there were some low points. You know, God has walked you through all of that. And God says, I'm going to redeem every one of those experiences in your life. You've got a unique story to tell, and I'm going to use it. Not just in this life, but for thousands of years. The investment that God has made in each and every one of us. I I, I want a a volunteer to to come up here. Uh, Maybe not a typical volunteer. So if you've been up here before, don't come. But I just want somebody that's willing uh, to come up here. Will you just come up here for a minute? We're almost done, and I just need you. Here she comes. Here she comes. She's coming. She's coming over here. Sorry, she beat you, Jenny. Come on up here. I I just, we we didn't talk before service, right? I'm not going to do a magic trick. Um... (laughs) You know, we have s- such a tendency to look at ourselves and to, and, and to see all the things that we can't do. But isn't it amazing how as soon as you look at somebody else, you're like, wow, look at all the potential in her. Look at them. She could do amazing things. My guess is, and I, I'm not uh, trying to read your mail or anything, but I'm guessing you look in the mirror and you see things about yourself that you would change, personality, just about yourself. I'm not putting you on the spot. Don't answer. But I'm guessing because we all do, right? We all do. We all think about things that we would change. But instead, we recognize and she's just, just, just coming up, just standing up. Isn't it, isn't it just amazing just to sit here and think, wow, look at this young lady. Look at everything, all the potential that she has. Look at the, the road that she has before her. As she turns her heart to God and serves God, the amazing things that God can do in her. How amazing it is just to look. As soon as I just bring somebody random up here, immediately your mind sees and recognizes, this girl's amazing. This girl can do anything. This is somebody that Jesus died for. This is somebody that God believes in. Walk up here with me. Walk up here with me. You too. You too. God believes in you and died for you. He came down out of heaven. He came for us. He came for you, the potential in each and every one of us. God has invested in us. God has put things in us. God has sown into us. Believe in Christ. Believe in the Merry Christmas. Believe that he came because he believes in you and is invested in you. There is no special category. There's just us. And we are able and God to do amazing things. Can we give our volunteer a God bless this morning? I love you, bro. You're awesome. We have a tendency to take all the wrong things personally. I'm offended. What are you offended by? I can't even remember. I just remember I'm offended. How about this? How about you take Merry Christmas personally? 
How about you take Merry Christmas personally? Jesus came for me. Jesus came for me. Merry Christmas. That's right. Jesus came for me because the potential in me. Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. It's repeat after me time this morning. All right. So say it with me now. Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. Whoa, see, that's the first time you got excited all day. Man, <laughs> Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, that reminds me. I'm awesome. That reminds me. I can do something. Jesus came because of my potential. There's not somebody out there that he came for that can do more than me. I can do what I decide to do as I follow after the Lord because Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. I'm just going to keep saying it because I don't sense you believe it yet, right? And it's 1034, so y'all better start believing. (laughs) Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Your Savior came to call out some things in you. You know, we're in December, and we're getting down toward, toward the end of this year and the start of the next year, and hopefully your thoughts begin to form. You know, I'm all for New Year's resolutions. I don't care if you keep them. I just want you to reflect. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish in the Lord? Jesus believes in it. That's why he came. He came because he wanted everything in you to be, to be brought out in this life into eternity. Jesus came for me because I'm awesome. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Our prayer team is coming right now, and as we pray in in just a moment, they they would love to pray with you. I don't know if you've got something pressing on you this Christmas. Uh, Maybe it's Christmas season, but you're facing surgery, or somebody in your family is facing something serious. Maybe you have something in your life that you need to pray about. They would love to pray with you. But I want to pray God's blessing on you. And, And I want you to know You know, I hug you and I tell you that I love you because I believe in you. (laughs) Because I see that Jesus came and lived and died for the potential in you. Stop looking at other people. Stop thinking God's waiting on somebody else. He put it in you. He came for you. He's calling it out of you. God, I pray your blessing on your people now. Lord, as they prepare to go from this place, Lord, that you would have your hand upon them. God, that they would become convinced deep in their heart, Lord, that they are able to do mighty things through you. Jesus, as they hear Merry Christmas, they would be reminded that you came to this earth to call out of them all of the amazingness that you put inside of them. Lord, that your blessing and your hand would be upon them. Lord, give them peace that passes understanding, peace that is so strong in their lives that those around them take notice, and they come and they say, what's different about you? And our answer will be, Merry Christmas. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He believed in me. He set my feet upon a stone. I'm unshakable in him. God, I thank you for these people, and I pray your blessing on them now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Peace be with you. Merry Christmas.